Is the pandemic threatening more than our physical being? What about the spiritual? This is Father Voskin. I'm a priest of the Armenian Church connecting the dots between that physical, the spiritual, emotional, and everything in between. Looking at life through the most ancient Christian fabric, namely Armenian Orthodoxy. This is episode number 616 of The Next Step, and I'm inviting you to take it with us right now. Hi, this is Susie with In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to our 12th year of broadcasting, The Next Step with Father Vazgen. Since 2008, we have been producing these podcasts on a weekly basis for those who are seeking practical and deeper applications of their faith and spirituality in their lives today. There's no need to check your brain in at the door. Armadoxy is a practical approach to melding spirit and passion in the real world. These podcasts are part of the expanding vision of the Inishus Ministry and provided by epostle.net, apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. So turn up the volume and get ready to take the next step. Well, welcome. It's so good to have you with me today. Yes, with me, I'm alone. We are isolated. We are living it out right in the middle of a pandemic. And the studio was bare. It just got me and the microphone and the the setup. Susie's remotely accessing. Ken is far away, so far away that I'm not breathing his secondhand smoke in this studio. And um, let's see, I guess we, you and I, have always been far apart from one another, but connected via the internet. So I kind of may not be feeling it, but I know you're feeling something wherever you are in the world, because this pandemic is just like hit everybody. I spoke with friends in Armenia yesterday, and uh, just this morning they recorded their first death, the first death in Armenia from the coronavirus. Um, I, I know that uh, I think here in the United States, the death toll just hit right over a thousand today. I know in Europe, it's wreaking havoc uh, on the world markets, the uh, world stage. So many different ramifications of what's going on with the coronavirus. So let me start off by just saying I'm glad that we're together, okay? Because I need this little outlet and I hope you need to hear this message today. I want to share with you some of the spiritual ramifications. Is that okay to say it like that? The spiritual ramifications of the coronavirus, what it's setting off. I don't know if your inbox is inundated with a bunch of people who are claiming this is the end of the world. Certainly social media has all kinds of stuff going on right now from the the most obscure to the most irrelevant people saying, okay, this is, you know, this is God. You know, God is like sending down this pandemic, this coronavirus, and God needs to uh, make sure that, you know, it's not COVID-18, this is COVID-19 that he's sending out, you know. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I do want to start off by, and I, I'm sorry, I, I am laughing a little bit because I do think that we do need to lighten up a little bit. I know it's a very serious, serious problem throughout the world, but um, in that seriousness, I think we, we lose some of our humanity and what it means to be a human. Uh, and that means the ability to have emotions, 
we're not without emotions. And certainly this is hurting people in many, many different ways, financially, emotionally, physically. Yes, it's hurting physically, definitely, the people in the hospitals, the first responders who are on the front lines. I saw a beautiful graphic on um, on Facebook I think it was this morning, and it said, thank you. And it just had a list of different names to all the people that are functioning and that are working during this pandemic uh, while the coronavirus and talks about the healthcare providers, the people on the front line, the people on the back line, people who are doing the work. And certainly our prayers go to them. But what's absent from them is people of the spirit, people of the church. And we know of many, many people in the church who are still continuing their work because it's very important that as much as the 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 body is fed that soul needs to be fed and in italy they reported that yes um certain italy of course has the highest number of deaths and casualties and uh, infections from covid-19 Um, They just reported this morning, I think it was the Vatican News that gave it out that there was something like um, 50 priests that had died. Uh, Yeah, because they're on the front line. There's people talking. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Vatican and what they're doing, things that they're changing as far as uh, confession. I think it's important for us in our discussion. But, you know, it's it's important to realize that, you know, a lot of life has stopped. But there are churches, there are people who are doing things in the name of Christ, in the name of the church, in the name of faith, in the name of, how about this, in the name of humanity, that haven't stopped doing it. And I I feel this because, you know, it hits me very close to home. Uh, There's a lot that we give out. And it's important that we realize that the body and the the spirit are interactive. I mean, they are dependent on each other. And yeah, as much as we we feed and we protect the body, it's important to protect and feed the spirit, the emotion, the the soul. Right? You can't say one. The, the, I mean, we are we are not physical beings only. We are not spiritual beings only. We are beings of spirit and physical essence, right? Of physical mass. We have our mass. And no matter what you, you know, whatever your condition, whatever that physical condition is, your soul resides somewhere. It just doesn't reside out there in space. It doesn't reside somewhere else. If you're talking, you're listening, and you're part of this world, right? Your soul is inhabiting a body, a physical being. And likewise, your body is not without a soul. I mean, that would be what a robot. We can program a robot to talk, but the idea that you can you, you can think, very Cartesian, right? I think, therefore I am. Descartes, right? It's the it's a Cartesian formula, right? I'm I'm thinking, I'm talking. You're listening to me. You're hearing me. Therefore, you are. I am, right? And 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 that's the soul with the physical. There it is. I, I don't want to get too philosophical at this point. We're just trying to make the point that we need to understand that if we're going to get through this pandemic, if we're going to get through this COVID nineteen. Uh, havoc what it's doing to the world it requires us to be prepared on both not only a a physical level but also on a spiritual level and I, i take it to heart because we've done an awful lot to 
get that spirit out. Like, for instance, just a small group um, within our prayer community, we got the word out. And I'm, I'm very pleased to tell you that we've got a group of volunteers that are now ready to go into shut-ins and people that need that extra assistance, people that might not be able to get out. Um, and this is just basically volunteers that have come out because of, uh, of, of the prayer community that we have. Next Saturday, the 29th is 29th Saturday. No, excuse me. I, I guess it's I'll have this for you by the end of today's show. Um, it's either Saturday or Sunday. We're going to have a prayer. Uh, this will be at six o'clock and it's going to be a worldwide prayer that we're organizing. And I'm going to invite you to be a part of that. I hope that you as listeners will be a part of it. It'll be six o'clock Pacific Daylight Time, which is Greenwich Mean minus seven. Okay. Yeah, mine, it's usually minus eight, but we did switch over to daylight time. So we are now uh, Greenwich Mean or Universal Coordinated Time minus seven. Um, I'm saying that because I, I think you need to, you know, know the coordinates where we're going to be doing 6 p.m. our time here on the Pacific Coast. We're going to be organizing this this prayer um, that I that I hope you will be part of because it's important no matter where you are that we are united and and prayer does unite us prayer brings us together um, as much as we're trying to take care of the spirit I don't know if you've seen what's going on on our uh, on the internet I mean we have now become a church that is virtual. A dream that I that I've had for many years, and I've shared with you, like you know, since our first broadcast back in the year two thousand, uh, Easter service on on the internet. You know, it was just small. It was like a let me say it. It was freaky. It was freaky. Even those of you who've been with us at at the next step now, podcasts are pretty much accepted. Pretty people have podcasters built into their phones. There's programs, there's apps. But you remember when we first started doing the podcast, those of you who've been on for a while, the next step. It was a freaky thing. You know, we were like freaks. Now now it's just the way we operate. And so much so that now we are broadcasting. We have a virtual church. And so um I think I shared a little bit of this with you because we hadn't gone to the blown out dimensions yet. But uh, last Wednesday, last night, two Wednesdays, we've been doing the evening services. <laughs> Just unbelievable. Last night as we were doing the service. I mean, we're talking about the archbishop, uh, two priests and myself, three priests, the archbishop inside of the church. That's it inside of the cathedral, praying and doing the liturgies, doing the services. And uh, as of last night, the week before, we had left the door open. There was a couple people you could see in the video uh, walking in. Most people know to stay away. Now, at this point, we are at a point where it's under lockdown and we just are not allowing people to come in. And this is by strictest regulations. We're even keeping the six feet apart from one another. And you see us in this video, you know, we're, we're apart from one another. But here's the astonishing thing. 750 people were on 
line with us. Now, in your wildest dream, you can't get a Lenten service with more than 100 people, you know, a couple hundred maybe, you know. But 750 are with you at the time. And then within a couple hours, we had uh, in, in people watching the video... It had reached over 4,000, 5,000 views. And this last Sunday, we did the Divine Liturgy, again, inside this empty cathedral, um, empty of people. But there we are, you know, and you've got five, 6,000 people following, listening. And is this creating the new norm? Um, is this something that you we, we may want to do? Let me tell you about a, a, new, um, a, a new YouTube channel that was just created and it's by our dear friend Harry Agopian uh, an avid listener of the next step coming out of the the UK but um, he's got a and we will put a link on the show notes it's called arm wrestling with COVID-19 cool name huh well, let me first preface this by saying that you know Harry is not a uh, he, he's not a newcomer to uh, to the virtual world. He's he's a podcaster in his own right. He he writes prolifically and he gets out the message in in all kinds of ecumenical circles. You're familiar with him if you've listened to this show. I've alluded to some of his articles in the past, but this is a particularly uh, interesting one. He's just dabbling now with a YouTube channel and and I'm gonna put episode number four on the show notes and from there you can go and take a look at the other shows too but episode four he talks about the virtual church and what's interesting is he talks about i I think the sentiment that so many of us have uh and it's not just about the virtual church today i think this is the way we felt back in the 60s and 70s when when um people like Oral Roberts and Billy Graham, they had these big uh, church services on television and people would opt to stay home and watch television, a two-dimensional surface, as opposed to going to church. And and Harry does say in his, in his uh, podcast or in his YouTube video, he talks about the experience of closing your eyes and listening to the soothing and calming effects and that certainly is something that I don't know if we can replicate. I don't know if we can replicate. He talks about the, the idea of, of incense being here. Now, let me say that I got a really cool email from a lady in Fresno uh, who immediately after our Sunday broadcast wrote, and she said it was the greatest thing because they were locked in. She said her and her daughter... They lit some incense in the house as they followed along on our YouTube video on the stream of the Divine Liturgy. So I guess there are ways that you can kind of augment the reality of this two-dimensional church that we're coming to experience uh, right now. Anyway, um, what are we going to do with this? Is this going to be the new normal? Is this, I mean, when you look at the numbers, isn't this what we've talked about for so many years? Think about it. I mean, just yesterday, I I filmed the um, WD-168 for this week. And I told the people, I said, don't come to church Sunday. And it was just such a foreign phrase in my mouth. I mean, listen to it. I, I stopped myself in the, in the middle of that broadcast and I go, oh, 
I can't believe that I said that. What do you mean, don't come to church? Can you believe any priest, any minister, any rabbi, any imam saying, hey, don't come, don't come to our congregation, to our gathering? But that's what we're saying, aren't we? What a wild idea, don't come. And there we were in the middle of this church, just a few clerics singing. And you realize that, hey, that's not the church. The church is the community. This is what we've preached all of our lives. But now, when you see the numbers, you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 5,000 people joining us right then? Isn't that the dream of every preacher, you know, to sell out a a stadium one day? Certainly, certainly for preachers. Certainly it's gone through our head. Any priest has, especially dabbling with the idea that you have this ancient traditional divine liturgy that's unattractive in its own self, repeatedly being offered. Sure, it's attractive as a standalone once, twice, three times, but can it be sustained um, and is is it about the attraction? So, you know, all of a sudden you're starting to to wrestle with all of these factors too. What are we doing this for? What's the purpose of this? Are we doing it for the numbers? And uh, is there something more than the numbers? Definitely. There has to be something more than the numbers because all of us are feeling unnatural in this state of affairs. We can sustain it. We can continue doing it. I don't know. This Sunday, will we have 5,000? Will we have 10,000? It's, it's, you know, it's unveiling right now. It's unveiling. And because it has 10,000, because it has 20,000, is that a reason for us to keep going? Well, isn't that the, the Great Commission? Go out into the world and spread the gospel to all the nations. Okay, we have the means. Isn't this what Protestant church has done for years vis-a-vis their their broadcasts on television, before that on radio, before that actually walking from uh, village to village, town to town, country to country, the missionary movement. Yeah, this is what it's about. And so now all of a sudden we are now forced, forced to get ourselves outside of the box, outside of the church parameters, the physical church. And it's it's uh, receiving a great reception. It's making us rethink how we do things. And definitely here at The Next Step, it's making me rethink because I've been isolated now. Uh, we started at the beginning of Lent, if you remember, beginning of Lent, we were having our Bible studies. And usually what would happen on Monday nights, we'd have the Bible study, we'd record um, Thursdays on the next step, I'd share with you some of the stuff that was coming out. But now, uh, during Lent, we moved it over and we did the Wednesday nights. I was going to be preaching. I did the first two weeks. The third week, already the pandemic had been declared as such. And so we had to change those those messages that got out last week. We were already broadcasting, and here we are week five. I miss my Bible study group. I miss a, a place, a space, a group of people that you can share ideas with. And perhaps it's the case of you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah, now that it's gone, I, I miss it. 
I miss it. Because you need a place where you can exchange ideas. So I'm rethinking how the next step will be functioning. Right now, we, we see the next step as this one show. It's a, usually about 50 to 60 minutes long. It's got a song in there. It's got a little advertisement about itself, self-promoting. It's not anything else. I mean, you're going to listen to a advertisement about uh, Corona beer. Uh, yes, intentionally, Corona beer. Can you believe people are stopping drinking Corona beer because it's got the name Corona? Can you believe that? The number of Corona beer drinkers has decreased because it's called Corona. Uh, yeah, I guess we can't believe it. Anyway, <laughs> the point was that you're going to accept uh, advertising, whether it's from Corona beer or Comet Cleanser or whatever it may be, Shell Gasoline. Uh, they're going to give you money and they're going to advertise for a minute. Instead, we rely on the donations of people and we we have a one little a one minute little clip where Susie comes in with the with our piano player who has to haul that huge piano into the studio and we make this little appeal for uh, for revenue. It's different ways of funding the same program, right? Um these are all just part and parcel of how we do the next step. Now I'm thinking about, do we rethink that? Do we redo that? We know that there's an absolute necessity to get this message out, to get Armenian orthodoxy out to the people. We know from the response that we're getting from you and the response that we're not getting from you because we have the numbers. So we know that as much as we hear from you, there are so many, so many people out there that are following, that are listening, that are uh, next steppers, that are uh, being benefited by this. Okay, well, we want to take advantage of those numbers and build on them, right? You want to be able to say we have a certain number of uh, people that are tuning in via the Internet. Can we now build on that so we go to the next step, literally the next step? And so we're rethinking how we're going to present this. And I certainly need more than this once a week outlet. Uh, how do we get this out? How do we get this message out? Fortunately, fortunately, I've been given this opportunity through the Western Diocese. And so along with the next step, I'm doing the WD-168. I'm also doing the small little Ushatrut Yangetroned. I'm doing the uh, little Lenten journeys. Uh, I, I'm very thankful to the Archbishop that he's giving me this opportunity. But still, the, the current situation, the current pandemic is forcing our hand, forcing us to address these issues, to look into them and see how we're going to be developing the, the ministry. Uh, look at uh, Pope Francis. Let's take a cue from the Vatican. I mean, just this week he came out with some very incredible pronouncements, uh, talking about the confession of sins that you don't need a private confessor. You don't need to go to a father confessor. Why? Considering what's going on in the world. I mean, he's walking into hospitals where there's hundreds of people on on life support systems, on breathers and everything. These people need to be relieved spiritually as well. And you can't get the priest to them. So he's okayed this idea of absolution max uh, 
mass uh, confessionals. Exactly, think about this, exactly the model that we have employed in the Armenian church. Why? Because we haven't had that pandemic of coronavirus, but through the years we've been attacked by all kinds of viruses, namely different groups of people that have tried to take us over, right? And the church has had to live in with, with with limited resources, didn't have the priests available, and this idea of group confession. That's what we call it, group confession, has come up. And, and the Vatican now is talking about this and, and giving permission. This is a whole separate issue. I, I want to address it separately. And this is why I'm saying I need to do some more than just this one next step. But I'm bringing it up that, yes, Take a cue from the Vatican. Take a cue from in in um, what what Pope Francis is doing. That he's seeing a situation. He's realizing that there is a spiritual need of the people, and he's addressing it. Now that being said, I've got to tell you, I have never been so moved as I was this past week when we saw images coming out of Holy Etchmiadzin the Catholicos of all Armenian on bended knees, uh, praying the Dervormia, the Lord have mercy, with his Verar off. And I think this picture has gone pretty viral. I, I'm pretty sure that you have seen it. We've written about it. We've spoken about it. And the Catholicos himself is calling on the faithful. In fact, last Wednesday night, he called it a day of prayer and asked people from throughout the world to pray, to pray for the vi- to, for an end to the virus, but also to pray for the first responders, for the sick, for those suffering. And I think what we're seeing is collectively the leaders, the heads of the churches, are understanding how important that spiritual is. And the Pope has gone out and, and said it, the, the Catholicos has said it, that you know if we're going to put an end to this coronavirus, it has to be through prayer. That's the power of prayer. I'm going to continue right after the song of the day because I'm going to get into some deeper issues where that prayer can lead and unfortunately has led. That's where we're going to go in the second half. We take a break every week and we play a song of the day. I'm going to do something a little bit special, um, personal, because my son sent me a link yesterday or the day before. It was from a, a band called No Blues. And it's a little bit of uh, Arabicana. Yeah, you got to hear it. Anyway, I'm going to play one of the songs. There was a lot of songs that I really wanted to play. But then some of them had lyrics and some of them had Arabic lyrics. And I said, you know what? Since I don't speak it and I don't know what they're saying, let me hold off on that. I'm going to play you an instrumental. It's called Lumen. It is off of the best of 10 years Arabicana. This is by No Blues.
an album called Best of Ten Years Erbekana, and the name of that song is Lumen. As I said a few minutes ago, um, Varjan shared this song with me, actually shared the album with me last night. I kind of got hooked because I was doing all kinds of work, and I put that on in the background. It was really good. Actually, I, I, I set it up on Spotify, so I had this huge <laughs> playlist of a lot of stuff coming in, but I, I invite you to listen to it. Um, Listen to the entire album. I'll have the link on today's show notes, as we always do. Some great, great music. And to be honest, this was the first time that I had heard the Arabic oud. Excuse me, the first time that I had seen it. I have heard it. I, I was a big fan of Johnny Griffin from um, Jazz Sahara back in the 60s. Yeah, do you remember Jazz Sahara? I don't know if you do. But <laughs> Big fan of Johnny Griffin, who who put that out. And um, I knew he was using the Arabic oud. It's different in shape. It's a little bit longer. But this was the first time that I had seen it, actually, because what Vaudrejean sent me was uh, also had a graphical ad, a picture on there, too. And so it was kind of interesting for me to to listen in and uh, enjoy some of the different nuances that comes from it. Anyway, check out our show notes. I'll have a link to this music and to the group. Sunshine came softly through my window today. The world has changed, no question about it. We are in the middle of a pandemic and uh, sharing with you some of the reflections that we have on its spiritual ramifications. 
uh, what it's doing to the spirit of people, what it's doing to the soul. And I want to talk to you about something that is very concerning. It should concern anybody who bears the name of of Christ, namely a Christian. It should concern Christians of all different backgrounds, um, and namely this idea that's uh, about end-of-world theology. And it's appropriate also for me to speak about it because this Sunday happens to be called the Sunday of Advent, namely the coming, the second coming of Christ. So it's very appropriate that we talk about this. And I want to share with you um, ideas which you as next steppers have heard in different forms, but I want to bring it together in terms of this crisis that we're seeing right now. Namely that people are now have this... um, this increased interest in in end of world people that I've never expected, never, never expected, are now, you know, concerned that this is God's vengeance on us. Do you remember a few years ago when AIDS came out and how people said this was God's vengeance on the gay community? Do you remember that? I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember that. Um and then uh, different times in history. I'm, I'm a baby boomer. And I vividly, vividly remember growing up with this expression that we hear over and over from um, Franklin Roosevelt. Because it came out of the, the Depression era, out of World War II. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. I had heard that over and over, and I liked it. Actually, I may have even quoted that here and there. I never really understood it fully until this past week. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. That fear has given way to all kinds of ridiculous, ridiculous kind of uh, movements, sentiments, uh, arguments. Um, and, and that fear is what's causing havoc. It's the reason why we're seeing people empty out uh, stores, despite the the claim by government agencies, despite the claim from the store retailers. Hey, we have all this stuff. You don't need to hoard it. No, but we saw people going out there buying water first. Then they went after the toilet paper. Then they went after the sanitizers. When they figured out that alcohol can also be a sanitizer, they went after the alcohol. When they figured out that, hey, they could use um, bleach, then they went after the bleach. It's like, relax, relax. But we didn't know how to do that. We didn't know how to handle that. There's a scene in uh, It's a Wonderful Life where... Uh, Bailey sits with uh, with Mr. Potter. And Mr. Potter looks at him and he says, George, you and I were the only ones who kept our heads during the Depression. He says, uh, you saved this building and loan and I saved everything else. <laughs> it, it was It's an interesting little moment. Like, you kept your head. But we're not keeping our head. We're panicking. We're panicking, and that panicking is fueled by this fear. You have nothing to fear but fear itself. Oh, think about it for a moment. That's the fear. The fear itself. That's what's driving us to do the the weird things, the psychotic things. Then you wouldn't even, you know, the last time you would dream that that would happen, where you'd take a run on the uh, on the story. It's in the zombie movies. 
the zombie movies where they come and they knock down your door and then they come in and they're they're trying to get a piece of you. They they need to eat. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. The zombie brings too many weird thoughts to my mind, but you get the idea. Why are we like this? It's the unknown, right? And certainly um this is one of the cases why we talk about religious education. It's important to have a religious education that goes beyond Sunday school. This is very, very important. Sunday school education is very good, but we shouldn't be teaching those stories that pit people against each other. Pope Francis came very strongly up, came very strongly, and he talked about, if you remember when he was first elected, on that first Sunday, right after he was elected, came out and he talked about the God of mercy, he talked about the God of compassion, that God is not this scary person. But what we do is we scare children into thinking that God is this 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 monster, that, you know, hey, if you're not good, we're going to flood the world. No, well, we're not really because we made this uh, rainbow and that rainbow is a good sign. If you're not good, God's going to send down a thunderbolt and get you. If you're not good, he sees everything that you're doing. He knows what you're doing back there. So you better watch out. Otherwise, he's going to get you. And we haven't evolved since this Sunday school. So you remember that you hear these stories as children and then you don't take a mature look at your faith. You don't mature with that faith. So you've got all these childish ideas and this is how you perceive God later in life. And this is what's happening. I, I mean, I, I, I wish there was a way that I could share some of the letters that I've been getting recently. I can't because, you know, there's anonymity. I don't want to come off as, and I'm not talking about judgmental. I don't want to come off as judgmental. I'm not. I'm just telling you this is not what Christianity is about. This is not what the Christian message is about. There is a beautiful story that takes place on the, uh, on the, it, it, it's recorded in the last chapter of John. I wanted to say on the road to Emos, but I think it's afterwards. It's after the Emos story, and they're walking on the shore, and John is recording this for, as as a person in the story, as the beloved disciple. It records Jesus and Peter walking on the seashore, and John is walking in the back, the beloved disciple. And Peter says, Lord, what about him? What's going to happen to him? Jesus says, if I will that he stay until I come back, what's it to you? In Armenian, very pronounced, Kizinch. What's it to you? Follow me. I love that story because it just tells you exactly the message that we all need to get for ourselves. What's it to you? He has already told us there's going to be a second coming. He's already told you there's going to be signs and times. And he's already told you on top of that, no one knows those signs and times. No one can decipher those signs and times. He's already told you that nobody knows when that day is. It could be tomorrow. It could be 100 years from now. It could be 10,000 years from now. Nobody knows when that is. 
He says, it's not your concern. What your concern is, follow me. Why is that so hard? You know why it's so hard? Because it's definite. To follow him means you have to love. means you have to do something. It's so much easier to look at the world and be judgmental and say, oh, look at those people. They didn't believe in the name of Jesus Christ. They're going to hell. Look at those people. They didn't say Jesus is my Lord and Savior. They're going to hell. Look at those people. They weren't baptized in the name of the Trinity. They're going to hell. When did we become so judgmental? If Jesus didn't judge, why are we judging? He says, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father makes it rain on the good and the bad. He makes the sunshine on the good and the bad. If Jesus is not judging people, why are we so quick? And it's this judgmental character of the church which is really confounding us because people get turned off by this. People who otherwise need to hear the love message of Christ are not hearing it because they're turned off by all of the negativity. You don't believe the way I do, and so you are going to hell. You are not worthy of Christ. Christ is the only one who's going to say, you are worthy of me. That's it. We live our lives according to the commandments that he has given us. Is that fair enough? Do you all agree with me on that? We should live our lives according to the commandments that he has given us. And what are those commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. <gasps> what? Wait a minute. What about the commandment, do not murder? Yeah, that's in there, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you don't murder, right? You see, he said, everything is built on that. Well, what about the commandment to not steal? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you don't steal. I mean, do you get how this works? It's so simple. And it's a commandment of love. A commandment of doing. Of sharing. And reaching out. But holy moly, people are posting, you know, this is God's vengeance. You better square yourself right off right now because if Corona gets you, what's going to happen to you? Who are you going to be looking at after the doctor puts you out? When you wake up again, will it be the Lord looking at you? Well, you can guarantee it by professing his name. And somehow, these people have claimed that they are the doorkeepers for God. And it is no different than what Jesus warned against when he talked about the Pharisees. You are blind guides. Neither are you going into heaven, nor are you. do you know the way to heaven. And yet you're leading people, blind guides, he says. And we're doing this. We're giving way to it. People professing Christianity. And here's the sad part about it. The very, very sad part that really hurts me. You won't find this kind of mess in orthodoxy. You won't find it in Catholicism. 
No, you won't find it. It's not there. What you do find it in is people who are ignorant to the teachings of orthodoxy that will proclaim it. That will find it easier to go to a Bible store and pick up a curriculum and say, hey, let me teach this rather than teaching the teachings of the church. That's what's sad about it. We have allowed others to usurp the name of Christ in identifying themselves as a church. They've taken the name of Christ and saying, this is what Christ believes. This is what Christian Christianity means. And so I've shared with you many times one of my 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 peeves in, in reciting the Nicene Creed is that it's dogmatic and we think that it ends there. We believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We believe in the church, the remission of sins and so on. But we don't talk about, we believe that Jesus taught this message. Even though we believe it, yes, we do believe it. I, I don't know if that came out wrong. We do believe it. We don't profess that in the creed. And so I think that's that's a essential part that's missing. And of course, we get into the bigger issues. Well, what did he teach? And then we get into this whole thing about he said that he is Lord and God, and if you don't believe, you go to hell. He didn't, may not say it in those world words, but he does make those pronouncements. The the Father is in me, and uh, I am in the Father. He who honors the the Son, the Father will honor. He who discredits or disgraces the Son, the Father will disgrace, and so on and so on. Okay, so there's these pronouncements. But get with the program here. Jesus can say that. Jesus can say that. You and I can't. Why? Because he's Jesus. Jesus can say, you can go to hell. I mean, let me say it that way, okay? You and I, you or I cannot say to a person, go to hell. <laughs> That's horrible. That's why it's horrible. Because you or I saying it. If Jesus says, hey, you're going to heaven, you go to heaven. If he says you're going to hell, you're going to hell. But it's not our business. We can't deal with that. Because we see Jesus doing it in the stories, we think that all of a sudden we can do the same. Just like up on the cross, right? The guy on the cross, uh, not baptized, that never accepted Jesus, didn't even know who Jesus was, but he did know up at that last moment. He says that I'm a sinner, and he says, and you are up here for no reason. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Because it's written over his head that he's the king. And Jesus turns to him and says, today, today you will be in paradise. Okay, so now all of a sudden you've got a new issue coming up. What does that mean? In paradise? Is paradise heaven? You've got a new issue. What do you mean today? Is there a a period of time? How come this guy goes right away? What about the 40 days? What about other things? These are all things that you can argue, but there's no answers to them. So you've got to leave them. I don't know if you had some kind of Catholic background, Catholic education. You know, there's this um, there, this story. There, there's a few of them. There's a few of them. There's one about how many angels on the head of a pin, right? It's one of those things. It's great for mental gymnastics. Well, angels do not have bodies. Angels are all spirit. 
Okay, so technically you can have a million, you can have two million. You could have an infinite number of angels on the head of a pin. But you get into the thing, well, I can't imagine that. Well, yeah, you can't imagine it. You cannot imagine uh, a million. I've heard somewhere uh, that how many stars are there up in the heavens? Yeah, there's billions and billions. How many do you see on on a night if you were in the desert in the darkness? You'd see about 3,000, 3,500. That's what's visible to the naked eye. And that's also a number that we can comprehend. We can figure that out. You can't understand billions and billions in the same way. So what we do is we do this mental gymnastics, and it doesn't do anybody any good. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. It does some good, right? They say these days, right, to offset Alzheimer's or dementia, you should do some mental gymnastics. You should keep your brain going for a while, you know, okay. But it doesn't do any good in the conversation about God. What we need to talk about is this very simple idea that Jesus said, love. He gave this commission. He said, go out there and love. That's the message that he talked about. That's that simple message. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Now, what's interesting about it is that it happens to be this Sunday's Bible passage. So the Sunday of Advent, which talks about the second coming of Christ, talks about Jesus at his first coming. And to me, that's such a simple way of of dealing with this. Jesus gives us a commandment to love. And you do it. You don't worry about the, the other things. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff about prophecy, about what's going to happen at the end of the days and everything. You want to sit there and you want to worry about it? He tells you, do not worry about tomorrow. There's nothing you can do. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the sparrows of the earth. Instead, he says, do something positive. Love, get out there and love. And it's so easy, as, as, as I said a few minutes ago. And it's the message of the Advent Sunday. You want to be prepared for second coming? Do what he tells you at the first coming. Look, the church is here to guide us. The church is here to take us by the hand. It delivers us someplace. But what's important is the entire church, its message, its stories are about how we live today. Look, simple story this coming Saturday. It happens to be the story of St. Gregory entering the pit. The Chorvirab. Chorvirab in Armenian literally means deep pit. Chor, deep pit, virab. Okay? Uh, there is a tradition of... St. Gregory entering this deep pit as a punishment because he had brought Christianity to Armenia. And the king of the time had punished him by throwing him into this pit to die. The king's sister feeds him for a period of 13 years until the uh, the, the king is has this horrible disease. Uh, his eyes were bugging out. It said like he was like pig-like. Maybe like Cushing's disease. I, I don't know. May, may, yeah, something like Cushing's disease, okay? May, and it wasn't identified as Cushing's at the time, okay? So anyway, whatever it was, whatever it was, Gregory comes out, heals the king. The king accepts Christianity, and Christianity is pronounced in Armenia. Now, you could take that for face value. You could take it as a historic story I mentioned. But what's important is to take a look at that story 
by our standards. That's the eternal message that I'm talking about. That's what the church does. The church brings the eternal message of salvation to people, which transcends the historical boundaries of stories such as this. Yes, this is a story that takes place in the third century, St. Gregory going into the pit. How does that relate to us? Well, think about it. Where are we right now? We have been punished, quote-unquote, into a pit that is caused by this coronavirus. We are isolated from the rest of the world. We are being fed like St. Gregory. And when we come out, what condition will we be in? Will we be there to herald a good news to bring the good news to people. Is this an opportunity? Because during those 13 years that Gregory was in the pit, it was an opportunity for him to to fortify himself. It was an opportunity for him to discipline himself, to stay faithful despite the difficulties. Can we do the same? Can we make this our pit? And this is just an example. I mean, there are so many examples. But this is the challenge that we have as Christians, is taking these stories not as historical only. Yes, they're historical, beautiful story, right? The conversion of Armenia to Christianity because of Gregory in the pit. But our pits, our horror stories, our pandemics, which condemn us, are the ones that we need to be rescued from. This Saturday, we remember... St. Gregory into the pit. St. Gregory has four different feasts. One is this one. There's another feast where he comes out of the pit, the deliverance from the pit. This is the one going into it. And it is a feast. It is a feast because we celebrate. We celebrate that difficulty. Now we can sit here and we can talk about this pandemic being horrible. It is definitely physically, but emotionally as well. It is causing a lot of people tension. It's causing a lot of fear. And a lot of the fear is being brought on by misinformation, by an immature understanding of our faith, something that we might have left off because we ended our search after Sunday school. This is what I'm saying. This is what this is so important about, okay? Sunday school has its place for children to learn the basics, the essence. But you don't stop there. You know, you don't stop there. It's like you, you want to get to the moon. you got to go through engineering, scientific engineering. It's like saying, well, you know what? I went to math class till the fourth grade. And I learned, I learned my tables. I know my nines. I know my twelvesies. I can multiply. It's like saying that. It's like saying that's where I stopped. Why do we do that with our faith? It's something that needs to be cultivated, nurtured. And continued. And I hope that this is what this ministry is about. This is what we're doing. It's a very difficult time right now. COVID 19 is all around us, there's no escaping it. It's an opportunity for us to really bunker down and think about the important things in life. We'll be talking more about it next week and the weeks to come. It's not going to go away quickly. But for right now, I did want to share with you. This, this very troubling situation about people that are maybe reading too much into this. This is not, this is not, I repeat, 
This is not a message from God that life is over. If we understand it as a message, that's because we want to make it into a message, which is fine, and you can. If it is God's curse on people, it is, again, none of our business. Because all you're going to do is just you're going to make yourself scared. So why not be prepared for God at any time by doing the things that he tells us at his first coming? Namely, to love, to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. On these two commandments, everything is built. And you go into a church this Sunday, you can't. You can't because churches are closed. But in the Armenian church, this is the Bible passage, and I hope you'll join me on the internet when we proclaim that message. Okay, the piano player's here. Here's Susie with her message, her commercial break. I'll be back in a few moments. Hi, Susie here again, reminding you that the next step is made possible through your prayers and generous donations. We invite you to check out our extensive archive about applied spirituality and Christianity for just about every life situation. You'll find past podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, and of course at the In His Shoes website. We're proud to have these podcasts available to our worldwide audience, with listeners added daily. To become a partner of this ministry, please consider donating by pressing on the Donate button on our website. Your monetary contributions goes to maintain and further this dynamic mission, bringing the message of Armadoxy into the lives of a waiting world. Let us know if you'd like to sponsor a series of podcasts by dropping us a note at feedback at epostle.net. That's epostle with an E. Apostolic Evangelism for an Electronic World. .net. We now return to this week's Next Step with Father Vazgen. Well, there you have it. That's the way you can participate in this ministry in a financial manner, in a physical manner, and uh, that's how we make it, okay? So uh, thank you for your donations, and thank you for always remembering this ministry in the various ways that you do, including your prayers. So important, especially at a time like this. Our, our prayers are really one way that we unite with one another, I want to invite you to a prayer that we're going to have. And if all goes well, I should be able to put out something. Uh, if you're on our In Issues mailing list, definitely I'll, I'll get it out to everybody by the end of the week so you'll get it. But for right now, why don't you put this down on your calendar this Sunday, March 29 at 6 p.m. Okay. March 29, 6 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Okay, that's Greenwich Mean minus 7. Or Coordinated Universal Time minus 7. Okay? Pacific Time Zone, 6 p.m. We're going to put together a big prayer gathering on the internet. And I will have a link for you. Um, I will have a way that you can join in on it. Uh, you do need to check in with us because it's just evolving right now. We're putting it together. So I hope in the next couple of days um, we will get out an email to everybody. If you're on our inner, if you're on our email list, you'll get it. Okay, so don't worry about it. And I I ask you to be a participant in it and pray with us as as the world prays. 
so too our small little community. We want to pray. If you're not on our email list, it's easy to get on there. Drop us a line. We are at feedback, feedback at epostle.net. Epostle is apostle with an E because we're apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. This Sunday, I will be either at uh, St. Leon Cathedral, in which case you'll hear me uh, via the feed. I will have a link on today's show notes so you can just click it and you'll be connected to us live. Again, this is Pacific Daylight Time 10 a.m. this coming Sunday. There's a live feed from the St. Leon Armenian Cathedral. I am scheduled to give the English sermon at 1045, and then the Divine Liturgy will continue. The Armenian sermon will be given by Father Monuk uh, at the, toward the end of the service. So it all gets done by about 12, 1215. So I hope you will join us there, and as well as on our Facebook page, um, I'll have some links where you could share in with the different services that we've done. Come to see what we are. Check out the show notes. I'll have all kinds of stuff in there, including Harry Hagopian's YouTube channel and some of the other things that we talked about, including music. That about does it for us today. I hope you enjoyed today's show as much as we enjoyed preparing it for you. And I want to just once again repeat that things are moving best we can. In other words, we're trying to find ourselves given the new normal. So bear with us and pray for us. On behalf of the wonderful team that put together today's show, albeit remotely, Susie, our producer, Ken, our technical director, this is Father Voskin, inviting you to join us again next week when we will take the next step. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskulledness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Demandment and production crew of Epostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. Are you Give me the double talk.